Greetings. Pause to Write is a podcast exploring the creative writing side of short stories, discussions, or even wild tangents that serve to both entertain and make you think about life, love, faith, and choices made, as well as the consequences of each. They are presented by our host, Dice Barista, who, when it comes to beverages, believes the old phrase, it's not gambling if you do the math. Only Human by Paul Hermelink, written June 1978, revised 2019. It all started back in my senior year of med school. We had already learned the basics, and now we were working on the cadavers. Though this experience wasn't the most pleasant, it was necessary to prepare me to be a surgeon. After graduation, I began my internship at St. David's. Besides the minor ailments, there were many horrible experiences as an intern. People came in with an arm or leg missing, slashes across their face, fractured bones. One man even needed 67 stitches because of a hockey injury. What a waste. This place was depressing. Sometimes I wish I could quit. But people needed me. And in a greater way, I needed them if I was to continue to succeed. Weeks passed by and things started to get to me. I had become uncertain about procedures and couldn't make decisions. One day I lost my cool. I threw things at the nurses. To make sure I didn't hurt anyone, I asked for a two-week vacation in the mountains to straighten myself out. Confident of my recovery, I returned to work. It was then that I met Charles Simpson. Charles was strange. What was it about him that seemed familiar? He had lost the use of both legs and arm, and he was blind. Yet he was the most cheerful man you could ever meet. He was so confident of life and appeared fearless. This puzzled me. How could anyone who couldn't walk, see, or do hardly anything for himself be so cheerful? I couldn't understand it. Every time I saw him, I hated him. Certainly he had to be putting on a big show, always being so cheerful to everyone. He would be so encouraging to the other patients, telling them there was nothing to worry about, building up their morale too. He was due for surgery himself yet he completely ignored any danger concerning his situation. His conversations were always cheerful. I kept thinking 
he couldn't be for real. So I set out to prove that he was scared. Daily, I stopped by Charles' room, steadily trying to break his spirit. During each visit, I would inquire about little things. His temperature, his pulse, his breathing. Even as I hinted at the possibility of medical problems and failures, he would totally reject the reality of his situation. Surely this man had fear. After all, he was only human. The more I pressed him, the more he smiled. One day, during my rounds, I stopped in to Charles' room. Dr. Whitmer, have a seat. He had heard me and recognized my walk. I was used to those bedside chats, but this day he sounded even more confident than usual. Your little game isn't working, he said. No matter how hard you try, you'll never break me. I know something you don't. I'm telling you, leave me alone. You're dealing with fire. Sitting there dumbfounded, I found I was experiencing a never-felt emotion before. My scheme had backfired. Gathering up what little nerve I had, I calmly said goodbye, and I left. Still dazed by the encounter, I tried to throw myself into my daily routine. It was in vain. My heart pounding, my nerves shot, and a gnawing pain in my stomach. I wrestled into my office and slammed the door behind me. Who does he think he is? I fell into my chair, exhausted. The nerve of this guy, telling, threatening me, telling me my game is up, telling me I'm dealing with fire. Fire? Suddenly I felt relief. I found myself smiling. I may be dealing with fire, but the dealer has all the cards. I spent the weekend in Utopia. Good food, fine wine, great music. Without a doubt, the best time of my life. Monday at last, Charles looked as happy as ever. This morning, my feelings matched his. Good morning, Charles, solemnly. I apologize for any of my rude behavior. I suggested that surely he didn't mean what he had said. Off the record, let's have a smoke and be friends. I glanced at my watch, 9.30. Where's the nurse? She knows it's time to change her IV. Anyway, so Charles, what's on your schedule today? Charles began to talk about future plans but I paid little attention. Casually, I stroked the life-giving line of the intervenous solution into his arm. I removed the near-empty container from the stand and 
carefully slipped the sodium pentothal into the remaining fluid, replacing it back onto the stand. Charles, there was no answer. Silence fell upon the room. The wonder of modern medicine. I dragged the unconscious form towards the head of the bed and placed Charles' hand near the oxygen valve. Careful now, no fingerprints. A slow leak. I need time to get out of here. I lit a fresh cigarette and laid it near his hand. Quickly, I looked around for any evidence. Suicide, why not? Who would suspect? What else did he have to live for? I walked silently out of the room. I had to be sure that I was not seen by any living soul. I took the elevator to the ground floor. I wanted to get the hell out of there. The next morning, I was making my rounds and I heard the talk of the poor man's death. What could have caused such a terrible explosion? Luckily, no one else was hurt. I tried to look as if I had some remorse, but inside I bubbled over with glee. I had committed the perfect crime. The man was dead. Poor Charlie. No one would ever know. After office hours, I headed home. The house was a welcome sight. As I opened the door, I saw someone sitting in my chair. I picked up a large geode I owned and headed for the chair. I spun it around, and the rock slipped from my hand as I dropped to the floor. When I regained consciousness, I looked up at him. It was Charles Simpson in my chair. You're dead, I screamed. He didn't say anything. I grabbed for his leg, looked up. He was gone. There was nothing there. Must have been my imagination, I thought. Crawled over to the couch and laid down. I must have been asleep for a couple of hours. But when I awoke, there he was in the chair again. I grabbed something and threw it at him. It just hit the chair and bounced off. He had vanished once more. Why? Why would he haunt me? If anything, I had done him a favor. He was such a mess. He was almost just a body, a body. Old sweat came over me. Oh my God! Now I know why he looks so familiar. The cadaver from med school. As fast as I could, I ran out to the car. Glancing in the back seat, I saw him lying there. I tried to focus, but he was gone. I got in and sped down the street. You're mad, I cried to myself. You have to be. The guy's dead. He can't exist. He was barely human. But the more I spoke to calm myself, 
the faster I drove. I was speeding down Fifth Avenue and suddenly looked up. There was an object in the road. What happened? asked the policeman. Frankly, I, I don't know, the man in the wheelchair said. What are you, blind? the cop quipped. Yes, yes, yes I am. I saw what happened, interrupted a passerby. The man came tearing down the road, driving like crazy. I guess he saw the gentleman in the wheelchair and he turned the car to avoid him. It spun out of control and hit the tree. And then there was an explosion. I tried to get him out, but the fire was too intense. Looks like his body burned to a crisp. It was horrible. Well, we'll need to take your statements at the headquarters. Turning to the man in the wheelchair, the police officer asked, And what's your name? Charles Simpson, he replied. He started weeping. What's the matter with you? Charles turned away from the officer. I'm only human. Pause to Write is a podcast brought to you by Paul Harmeling at Dice Barista. All stories are original works by him and standard owner copyrights apply to content. Additional background themes or effects are provided with permission from Plate Mail Games. Found on the socials at Plate Mail Games. I have been your MC, and we hope you have enjoyed your journey. After all, don't put the blame on me.